This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to the latest episode of The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And if you're in Indianapolis or coming to Indianapolis for Starbase Indy, we're going to be there. Um, uh, come see us Sunday, November 29th. Uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, where we're tentatively scheduled for 10 a.m. for a panel uh, dis- discussing the summer movie season of 2016, a preview of it. Uh, the panel will be moderated by Starbase Indies Mike George, once again, who you can hear moderating last year's panel in OV85. And at noon on that same day, friend of the show, Kate Chaplin, will be recording a live Kate's Take episode on Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff planned for Starbase Indy. Uh, and come check us out and you can find more information about uh, them at uh, starbaseindy.com tiny how's it going nice i'm i'm i'm, I'm doing i'm doing good nice yeah. nice very nice um are you excited about this week's episode oh yes i am yeah. nice i'm nice. a little uh, uh i don't know tired yeah because yeah. i work 10 days in a row Oh, that sucks. Um, but I get the next four days off, so. Yes, you mentioned that. And we're planning on going to see Creed tomorrow. Creed, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Spoon. movie, not the band from the 90s. Right, right. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> should have been there on a Sunday morning. I actually uh, had passes to Creed like a week or two ago that I didn't mm-hmm. go to that I uh, invited someone to. And then like they said, that uh, is, the, is this the... Is, is this a movie? Is this the Scott Stapp movie? I think that's his name. <laughs> that's his name. Yeah. Uh, the the movie about him uh, trying to become a boxer, but then failing miserably because he only fought with arms wide open. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, I, I like, love it. I immediately regret sending this text message. That is beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was <laughs> good. Um, but alas, I didn't get a chance to see it, and I'm excited that uh, we're going to be able to see it tomorrow. Yes. Um. So yeah, so but this week on the podcast, Tiny, this week we're doing our second Netflix picks episode. Pickums, yes, which that is a uh, a title that I, I, I we'll roll with it. Uh-huh. We should just call it Net Picks. We should have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Regret. Yeah, I mean that would have been shorter for the episode titles. Anyway, for <laughs> first time listeners, Netflix picks is basically where. Uh, to kind of switch things up, uh, me and Tiny have basically given each other a number, and we've watched the uh, title on our Netflix queue that corresponds with that number. This time around, we did three numbers. I basically threw out a number, Tiny threw out a number, and then we added those two together and had a third number. We had three choices each. Each of us picked the other what the other one would watch. I picked for Tiny to watch uh, Adam Wingard's The Guest, and Tiny picked for me to watch uh, Richard Linklater's Bernie. Um, and then also I issued a challenge to our listeners uh, that if – not really a challenge, but if they wanted me to watch either of my uh, – one of my other two picks uh, to contact me via Twitter or Facebook or anything. And 
longtime listener, friend of the show, friend of the hosts, and uh, frequent guest on the podcast, Robert Feckus, uh, tweeted me with uh, compelling me to watch VHS Viral, hmm. which... We all thank him for that. Yes. Um, <laughs> should I just go into my thoughts about it and then we can ease into that? Sure, sure. Okay. So here are my thoughts on VHS Viral and the reason why I'm not going to be on speaking terms with Robert Feckus anymore. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it actually wasn't that bad. It was uh, this, this is the third, the third entry in uh, the VHS franchise, which is a, was, is a horror franchise that I, uh, a horror anthology franchise that I, like in theory mm-hmm. um the first one we actually saw it at a midnight screening with uh yeah. greg um mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago and yeah. uh you know it, it what i'm finding with vhs and vhs2 and now vhs viral is that it, the movies are uh, contingent on good segments like there are mm-hmm. bad segments in each one and there are really good segments in each one um and VHS Viral is no different, but mm-hmm. where VHS Viral is different is the frame story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, if you remember the first movie is the, the frame story is a bunch of robbers go into a house, break into a house to get something and they find all these VHS tapes. So they're watching VHS tapes that are the segments of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the second movie is something like basically the same thing, only it's a different, they're not breaking into a house. They're like investigating a house, something like that, but they have VHS tapes. Uh, the third one is just off the rails, just crazy, dumb, like nonsensical. It doesn't even have like VHS tapes in the frame story. It's here's basically the plot description from IMDb for VHS viral, which describes the, uh, the frame story. A Los Angeles police chase sends a fame-obsessed man on a wild ride to save his girlfriend from a cybernetic terror. And, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like Hmm. in between each segment, it cuts back to this guy on a bike chasing after this ice cream truck that is being chased by the police. And it's really – it makes – did you ever play Twisted Metal, Tiny? Yeah, I did. Okay, you remember the – ice cream truck thing yeah. it reminded me of that which that made me feel happy because i like twisted metal but yeah, me too the rest of the movie did not make me feel happy but <laughs> yeah so anyway um interesting yeah so that's the frame story of it there were th- like three three segments that are aside from from the frame story um mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah three segments uh i'll just briefly run through them the first one is dante the great which uh, the first, like the one of the first lines, is this woman is being interrogated by police, and she's, uh, uh, they're like, "Tell me about yourself, or, or 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 what do you do, or whatever." And she's like, "I'm a magician's assistant." So like right there, you know, like okay, this is gonna be weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really stupid. It's 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 like it's not even like found footage. It's just a faux documentary thing, and it's it's yeah. completely nonsensical with the rest of it. It has it's about this. Uh, this magician who finds a cape or, or something and uses it for evil. That's actual, actual magic. It's might be demon possessed. I don't know. But, hmm. uh, anyway, the, the aesthetic of it kind of felt similar to Chronicle. Um, hmm. and to be honest, like the, I don't know, the, the, the premise would be more interesting as like a feature, like straight to V VOD sci-fi movie, <laughs> but it just doesn't fit here. And it's horrible that this is the first segment cause it just did not, reel me in at all oh, that's too bad yeah um second segment was my favorite um it's from nacho i can't i can't remember what his last name is but he's the guy that directed time crimes nice um yeah which one of my favorite time travel movies yeah 
Um, it's called Parallel Monsters, and it's really like from the outside, I was like, this is an incredible premise. It's basically this guy creates a uh, a portal to an alternate dimension mm-hmm. or an alternate reality and uh, an alternate universe, and he basically, as he's peering through it, like he sees himself on the other side, like the, like the other version of himself. So the entire the like they're filming each other. And the premise of the short, or the present, the the premise of the segment is that they're switching, they're exploring each other's universe for fifteen minutes. Wow! Yeah, and it's uh, it's such an interesting premise, and I love the idea, but the execu- the execution of it is like three times more crazy than it needs to be. Okay, it's like it's really bizarre and ritualistic, and huh. it's it's strange. Um. So I wasn't really crazy about it overall, but the concept was amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, and if this says anything, it's the best part of the movie. <laughs> oh, that's crap. Yeah. And the third and final segment, and then we can go on to your, to your first Netflix pick uh, analysis thing, um, is called Bone Storm, which, if I'm not mistaken, I, I want to say that this has to be a reference to um, uh, The Simpsons. There's a famed episode about... Uh, 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 Bart wanting a, I think it's called Bonestorm. I didn't do my due diligence, but, um, I think it's called Bonestorm and it's basically, it's a video game that's a very violent video game. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what the short is, or the segment is about some skaters that are filming themselves doing tricks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like the most unlikable people you can imagine. Like, <laughs> like purposely, purposely so, basically. It, it's like on purpose that they're that unlikable. It's right. it's it's dumb. And so the, so the the segment is basically they're uh, they go to Tijuana to to uh, skate on a an abandoned park or something like that, and it ends up being like a ritualistic uh, sacred ground kind of thing. And they wake like evil, but it's it's kind of it's basically like a first person shooter. Um, like style thing and it's like it's on purpose it, it almost feels like they're trying to make a statement about video game violence and desensitization uh to violence because there's a lot of like like there are like scenes where like they're uh one of the, like they call out the uh they're so emotionally disconnected and it's it's goofy but they, they reference uh characters who have died like saying like like oh what about camera guy and what about gas money kid <laughs> <laughs> like they don't have names they what? just yeah it's silly but and i feel like that's a statement a greater statement but at the end of the day it's it was just a video game it wasn't even it wasn't even really horror it was just it was just goofy and weird and sounds dumb yeah so overall vhs viral is just not really worth your time so there's only three segments in it yeah and that's the thing that kind of tripped me up because there's like I want to say like at least five in the at other least two. five, yeah, in the other one. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like they didn't even try with this one, and That's then rough. Yeah, and then the way the frame story ends is so, just so confusing and so dumb. It's like it was just it was just such a. I was so ready for it. To, it's an hour and twenty one minutes, and I was so mm-hmm. ready for it to be done. Yeah, and then it ended, and I will say that the end credits were actually kind of cool, but. Mm. Other than that, man, it was just not good. It's a bummer. Yeah, and I can go on to I can go on like longer and talk about why I, why I think VHS the franchise is failing or or ha- has reached this point of diminishing returns so early in its franchise because I would love it if it was like if the frame story was cohesive and and interconnected between the movies like if there was some secret cabal of of people who collected these these tapes uh yeah. and used it for evil and stuff like that 
Like if that was if that was like a through line throughout each movie, I could be on board with that. But mm-hmm. no, we got an ice cream truck being driven around a city. It's so weird and makes no sense. That sucks. Yeah. I, I liked the premise to start out with, like mm-hmm. the first movie. I liked it a lot, actually, when yeah. we saw it the, at the midnight screening. I thought it was fantastic. But uh, yeah, the second one, it, it kind of lost some luster, but I was still hopeful, and I haven't seen this yet. Um, I, I might just to be... Just to see all of them, but uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, and like I said, well, it's yeah, only it right. It's only like it's it's like eighty minutes, so yeah, not yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, it's not a big time commitment. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, it it is, and like I said, that is a premise. I love anthology based stuff. By the way, I mm-hmm. haven't been mentioning it because I haven't been able to catch up with it. But check out my side project podcast anthology. <laughs> uh, it's anthology anthologypod dot com. There's info there. Anyway. Yeah, so that's that's VHS viral. Right. So thank you, Fekus. And uh, I encourage everyone to uh, definitely uh, challenge me on these next time we do this yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. Hopefully with better selections. Yes, oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, I may need to go through, like, comb through my Netflix queue and like, like only have the ones that I really want to see on it. Right, right. But, but that's in the spirit of all of this. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, since I talked about VHS, why don't we uh, go ahead and go with your first one or with your with your Netflix pick for this week? It's uh, you watched the guest. What I watched the yeah. guest uh, from 2014, I believe. That yes. Dan Stevens is so dreamy. He really is. Seriously, like <laughs> um, I took to calling him poor man's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, because he looks like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, um, and he has the perpetual five o'clock shadow going, mm-hmm. which is so. Uh, appealing, apparently. Eyes so blue you can swim in them. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. But, yeah, he's a very dreamy, good-looking man. Mm. Um, the part where he steps out of the shower shirtless. Oh, my God. Okay, this is... this is. A, oh, my God. This is a family-friendly... Uh, Whatever. Podcast, Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I watched The Guest. Uh, if you don't know what The Guest is, it is a... Thriller slash horror movie. Um, it takes place. Uh, a soldier um, shows up at this family's home, uh, and he says that he served with their son, who was uh, who who died in combat. Um, so he kind of makes that claim and sort of works his way into this family and befriends this family, um, but then. Uh, it kind of goes it goes from there like towards the kind of a stereotypical horror direction mm-hmm. um you know people start dying and they kind of kind of links to him stuff happens <laughs> stuff happens stuff happens um uh real quick what was your relationship with the guest before this did you know anything about it going in or nothing have- other yes. than the synopsis i read on netflix okay. um i believe mike Mentioned it very briefly in passing. I I tried to I tried to do some googling on the site and I couldn't find where it was because you know you type in guest on obsessive viewers yeah. all of our guest episodes but right um I think I do remember Mike bringing it up at once if not I remember I think I was gonna bring it up for potpourri but I had yeah. like too much stuff to talk about so I think I might have mentioned it like off air but anyway so yeah yeah I think Mike said that he liked it more than he thought he was going to mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and you also were a dissenter of Your Next. I was. Uh, which was Adam Wingard's last movie. Right, right. Which that came out in like 2011, I think. I think so. 2011, 2012. <clears throat> right. And so this is three years later. Um, 
I I expected there to be more of an improvement um, quality-wise, I guess. Because um, your next had that kind of low-budget feel to it a little bit, and that's fine. I'm not I'm not knocking that at all, especially for a director who's you know trying to launch themselves and stuff like that. Um, I just wanted to see more of an improvement between those two, between the, that and this. This felt like a low-budget first-time director movie to me. Mm. Um, uh, I, I thought it was okay. I, I, I was sort of um, it held my attention the whole time, and uh, I um, I appreciated some of the acting. Uh, Dan Stevens, who I I don't think I've seen him in anything else really. Yeah, not that um, he was in Downton Abbey, I think, but that's all I know him from, and I yeah. don't even watch that show. Yeah, Downton Abbey. He's in the Fifth Estate, which I don't remember him from that at all. Um, but yeah, he's a. Uh, I actually appreciated his uh, performance in this. Um, I mean, he, the guy wasn't like award worthy or anything, <laughs> but he had. He just had this really, really good knack for putting on like this fake smile. Like he he wore. He was wearing yeah. a smirk for a, a majority of the movie. That was very. Um, very villainous and and just very uh villainous is just the best word it was just villainous right. uh, i appreciated it it was like uh, it was like an old bond villain mm-hmm. wearing a smirk for a majority of the movie um and he just kind of knew exactly who he was um so i appreciated that and and the way he delivered his dialogue he just had this very uh very calming voice and very mm-hmm. a very docile and 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 calm voice. Uh, I, I liked. I liked the way, what he did with the character. That was good. Yeah. Um, and then the actress. Uh, yeah, she's a lead actress. Uh, Micah Monroe. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's most famous, I think, for It Follows. Yes. Uh, which I I liked her way more in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think she had much to work with in this movie. She uh, her character was relatively stereotypical. Um. But I mean, she had she did some good work with what she had, but I, she really needed a better script, I think, or her character did. Um, but overall, I just really didn't. Um, I wasn't crazy about. I mean, the story was kind of typical, I guess. You know, a person works his way into a family to mm-hmm. exploit it and whatnot. But there was just—I felt like there was just absolutely zero motivation in this movie. Really? Like, what? Why did this character work his way into this family? I—I hmm. I feel like there was. There's no good answer for that. It's like, huh. I mean, the guy ends up being crazy. Kind of, he's the—I don't want to spoil it all. Or right. Um, there was no. There was no. You—you you didn't feel like there was just any like logical reason for him to. to yeah. go there in the first place like what was his ultimate plan right i i, I don't yeah. i don't know what was it to stay there was it to um become part of the family was it to kill all of them i i, I just don't know it was it to hide i I really don't that was never answered and i don't it, it bothered me that i just the, the the motivation for the lead character just was not clear um the the motivation for the conflict mm-hmm. was just really really muddled at best. Um, so that, that bothered me throughout the movie. Um, there was some interesting work with the music in this. It mm-hmm. was, um, it was kind of, kind of out of place. It made me think of it follows a little bit. Uh, huh. I liked the interesting. work. I liked what they did with in it follows much mm-hmm. better. Um, I felt like it was more of a score and it follows in this. It was more like 
just background music that was kind of put in. Okay. Um, kind of but in it your was face. Yeah. yeah. But it stuck out to me, and I think it was a, a bold choice. I don't know how well it worked, but I think it was a bold choice, and I, I kind of respect that choice. Um, it it was very interesting. Um, hmm. But and then some of the action scenes just felt very. Uh, I don't know how to put my finger on it. Just like very low budget and like I just didn't appreciate the camera work. I don't think it followed the action very well. Um, There's some hand-to-hand combat fighting kind of stuff and then there's some some shootouts and stuff like that. And I just feel like they were captured strangely. Hmm. They just didn't feel right to me. I don't know. I wish I could put my finger on it. Um, They just had a very... A very glossy feel to them. I, I didn't. I don't know. It just didn't feel. It just didn't feel right to me. Um, a lot of like close-ups and stuff. I don't know. I feel. I just feel like they didn't capture the action all that well uh, in the in the action parts. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, it has a six point seven on IMDb, which surprised me. <laughs> um, I'd probably give it a five, maybe. Wow. A high four. I, just, I wasn't that crazy about it. Um, I'm curious to see Dan Stevens do other things. Yeah, he was very... Um, he he had kind of a... Not likability, but something like he, he pulled you in yeah. so much through it. I can see him doing some, some really good work with the right character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good on Downton Abbey, too. Um, he's kind of unrecognizable between the two roles, actually, because mm-hmm. he's more of a posh... Uh, aristocratic person in Downton Abbey and he's right. he's like a shredded soldier military guy yeah. and it's, it's very different um, but yeah I'm curious to see what he does um, and I think Micah Monroe is like up and coming actress I hope she yeah. is because she's really good Oh yeah, um, as well as stunningly beautiful right 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 um, she's really good I, I'm curious to see what she does eyes um, so whatever color they are you can swim in them i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah leland leland orser is also in this um, yeah you very, sent a message like like right when you were starting yeah. it i think that was just like what did you i think you i can't remember what it was i think it was either like i fucking love leland orser or yeah, something like that something like that he's just so he's just so magnetic mm-hmm. like i just i love watching him do anything um I'd watch him cut his grass, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just a great actor, and he was drastically underused in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, he had he had a great scene where he kind of gets drunk with uh, uh, David, the the mm-hmm. lead character, and just his candor in that scene, I appreciated a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. The way he kind of played played being a little a little uh, buzzed, kind of tipsy, right. which people screw up a lot. He he pulled it off well. It was very subtle. He's such a, and he's been acting for so long. Like, he, yeah, I, I have just so, and he's in some like iconic movies. He's oh, in yeah. Seven, Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Alien Resurrection, Alien Resurrection. Um, but he's like, he's like in pivotal scenes, and it's yeah, like, and he sticks out. In those oh, scenes absolutely, with like some like heavy hitting famous actors. Yeah, you know, he just yeah, he's just a really really oh, good yeah. actor. And in all three of those movies I named, he always plays like the like troubled like like he's like yeah. he's seen some kind of character. You're right. He um, almost he usually dies. Yeah, yeah. In, in all his roles. Yeah. Right. He. Uh, yeah. If we ever do that, if we ever do a character actor episode, like we've been talking about for three and a, two and a half years. Yeah, we have. We need to we need to make sure we bring him up. We could probably do three character actor episodes. Yeah, yeah. There's so many good ones. Out oh there. yeah. But yeah, he's one of my favorites, and he he was he was great with what he had in this. Uh, I wish they would have used him a little more. 
Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was the movie was okay. I feel like I'm being a little hard on it. Um uh I'm curious to see what uh what's the director Alex uh, or uh, sorry, Adam Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard. Yeah. I'm curious to see what he does. I think he has some potential. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't real crazy about your next either. Yeah. I probably like I probably liked your next a little better. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, he's he's got potential and there's there's something he could do there. It's funny uh <laughs> I wish I would have thought of this before to segue into it, but uh, Adam Wingard actually directed segments for VHS and VHS. Right, he did, yeah. yeah. In VHS, he did the frame story, which was kind of a mess. Like, that was like, yeah. what I remember vividly thinking, this is the first found footage movie where I feel like I'm getting motion sickness because <laughs> the camera work was just awful. Um, but in the second one, he did one of my favorite segments of that movie was uh, Clinical Trials one or something like that is basically the um it's more sci well not really more sci-fi than horror but the setup is uh a guy gets an ocular implant right. yeah that. that was a good one and it's all like through that perspective it was really good but yeah um it kind of i mean it doesn't bum me out to hear your thoughts on the guest but um i'm kind of surprised i i liked it a lot more than you i think really yeah um and i kind of feel like part of maybe part of what's you couldn't connect with and it's not any fault of any fault of yours or anything like that. If, I mean, this is a, it's an interesting depiction or it's an interesting Avenue for the movie to take, but it kind of starts as starts as as a drama kind of slowly shifts into a thriller and then kind of just goes into like action and then goes into like horror. So it's kind of playing with a lot of different genres and a lot of different feels and tones and I can definitely see how, like, if if someone would get either tired of that or they just wouldn't be able to connect to it because it's there's so many there's so many shifts going on that it's hard to pin down an actual like yeah like a through line of 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 tone or like a like a a frame of mind to be in during it. So right. I can I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I for one really liked it though. I, I and I thought that the score was. Uh, I agree. It's not as good as it follows score, but I do, I do agree that it does is very reminiscent of that Mm -hmm. uh, or, uh, yeah, it it reminded me of that in retrospect Mm -hmm. now that you say it, but, um, but yeah, I dug it. I, I, I dug it. I, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. To each his own. Yeah. Yeah. Agree to let each other have an opinion. I don't know. Right. Um, Right. (laughs) But yeah, so yeah. Uh, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it uh, this yeah. time around, but I did just watch it at the end of August, so it's cool. somewhat fresh in my mind. I wish I had gotten to see uh, your entry. Ah, nice Bernie. segue. I really wish nice. I had seen it. But, uh... Uh, yeah, uh, so Bernie. I'll go ahead and bring it up then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie is a 2011 movie starring Jack Black, Shirley MacLaine, and Matthew McConaughey, directed by Richard Linklater. It's something that I didn't know about it before, when Me I was going either. I didn't know that until yeah. just now. I had no idea. Um, plot description from IMDb, uh, in small town, Texas, an affable mortician strikes up a friendship with a wealthy widow, though when she starts to become controlling, he goes to great lengths to separate himself from her grasp. Uh, you know, this movie got a lot of, a lot of not, not like Oscar buzz or anything, I don't think, but it got a lot of like acclaim and and, like favorable reviews from what I heard on podcasts and stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, because Jack Black gave a really good performance and I agree. He did a really fine job. Yeah. He does this, uh, this affectation on his voice that, that like that, it's a very soft and very like comforting kind of, kind of tone. It's like a very, it embodies like a small town, uh, uh, like salt of the earth, Texas guy. Mm-hmm. And that was something I had never really seen 
from Jack Black, and frankly, I didn't think that he had the chops for it. So yeah. I was impressed with that. Nice. With that. Um, and he gave just a really like low key performance, and it, that really helped a lot with the with the flow of the narrative because he does some surprising things and some interesting things in the in the way that he reacts to the fallout of his actions is uh it stays consistent with his character and that's something that i appreciated in his performance a lot um but the movie is kind of just okay um it's one of the things that i really didn't like that much was that it takes a uh kind of a faux documentary kind of feel to it like oh really yeah it's it's kind of weird it's like basically you know that you know that um something happens with bernie like like Mm -hmm. you know from the outside that something's something's off with the guy yeah so throughout the movie they have talking heads of people from the from the town uh Uh, carthage i think uh carthage texas and it's based on a true story it's this all actually happened i didn't Uh check the validity of, of or how much artistic license there was but uh from from the outset there's a like title cards and like one of the title cards is i think it says something like uh you're fixing to see a true story. <laughs> um, and, you know, the talking heads really, uh, I had mixed feelings about them. Like, on one hand, they uh, they came across as, they, they were a bit, uh, it was a bit overboard. Um, like, they did it a lot. Um, and I feel like they were even at times a little cheap as a narrative device. Okay. Because um, it felt like they were just, like, like normally, I, like I would have been okay if it was just like, oh, here's this guy talking about Bernie, and this here's this guy talking about uh, the old lady, and here's here's this person talking about their relationship, and then have that be like our introduction, like forced mm-hmm. exposition that way. That would have been okay, but it it was it was so overbearing that it felt at times like that was the vehicle for the drama, like oh. to talk about the talking heads instead of showing like Bernie having. Um, forming this bond with this widow it's instead uh talking head saying like oh they would go to they would go to the theater all the time and they would go do this all the time and there was question about maybe there was a romantic thing going on but mm-hmm. it but they only show like like um like montages of this stuff it doesn't it doesn't mm. build organically in the narrative and that kind of just dragged it down for me it's kind of expositive yeah yeah and yeah. uh yeah the, the overbearingly so and um mm. And, but on the other hand, the Talking Heads really just kind of helped accentuate um, a certain theme. Like I felt like the movie was trying to communicate the the a kind of a, a theme of a, a small community and how gossip rules it and how okay. people talk about each other and all that stuff. Uh, and even under the guise of like um, of like a faith based community stuff like that, mm-hmm. like how they have like you know backstabbing things going on. But even that wasn't like fully explored. It was just kind of touched on briefly and. Maybe it's me projecting what I wanted out of the movie in those moments as like a uh, as a way to say that I wasn't feeling the talking head, so maybe I would yeah. be trying to assign purpose to them. But mm. uh, but yeah, uh, and I don't know. In, in the kind of um, there's a crucial moment about a, a certain certain amount of time into the movie where something happens that shifts shifts the drama of the narrative mm-hmm. significantly, and. I appreciated the way that it was handled um, quite a bit, but it also just felt a little too sudden and too like just like it lacked a certain tension and a certain buildup that I just I felt like it could have been it could have packed more power and propelled the movie into the last half a lot stronger if it had been 
dealt with better instead of just kind of an kind of an almost secondhand kind of thing. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. So. So yeah, uh, the fallout of that in in the last half or so of the movie was okay, and it held my interest, and it was yeah, overall it was just okay. Uh, mm-hmm. What I'll say about it overall is that it was a good vehicle for Jack Black to show his acting chops and a little bit of his range. Yeah. Um, and I say that having being someone who's not, I wouldn't say that I don't like Jack Black, but. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I seek out his stuff. I'm not a huge fan of the kind of like wacky guy shtick that he does. Yeah. Um, so seeing him in this in this way was really enjoyable to me. I just mm-hmm. wish the movie did it did more for me. Gotcha. Okay. So that's a little bit disappointing. I, I thought it looked really good. Yeah. Just never got around to seeing it. So I'm not overly familiar with Richard Linklater's work. Um, I've seen some of his movies, but uh, I mean, Boyhood. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a legendary movie, so I, yeah, I want to see Bernie. I really need to see it. Yeah, he also did. Wow, I'm I'm looking at Linklater's filmography now, and there's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen. I mean, I've seen, yeah. of course, Boyhood and Dazed and Confused, and uh, I also saw the movie Tape that he did uh, back in 2001 with uh, I want to say it's Uma Thurman and uh, um, uh, Ethan Hawke and one other character or one other actor who they're like basically in a motel room. And they have a tape or something, and it's it's like, it's kind of a high concept thing where they're all there. It takes place in real time, and they're all like talking about this tape that they have, and it's about exploring their history. And like there's there's like a rape involved or something like that from their wow. past, and they're kind of, uh, yeah. I I actually really need to see that again. Um, That's cool. Yeah, three three old school three old high school friends pass the time in a Michigan motel room dissecting the painful memories of their high school years. So I may have just spoiled a big part of it, but. The third person was Robert Sean Leonard from uh, seeing uh, uh, Dead Poets Society, I think. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So Linklater is a is a director who I've there's so many movies of his that I want to see that I just haven't seen, like Slacker, uh, the Before trilogy. Are you familiar with that, Tiny? Yeah, with um, yeah, with Ethan Hawke. And Ethan Hawke. I can't remember the actress's uh, name. Julie Delpy, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been wanting to see this trilogy for a long time because basically it's it's like a romance, a, a romantic drama that's set over three movies that were filmed, I think, like a decade apart. Yeah. So it's basically checking in on these two characters' relationship and right. like decades, and it. Everything that I've heard about is really interesting. So anyway, so... Um, Clearly he's a co- high-concept director. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, he also did Bad News Bears, the remake. <laughs> um, and he also directed School of Rock. That's interesting. Anyway, oh, so... nice. Yeah, so so there's... Uh, there are several movies of his that I want to see. Yeah. Uh, that I haven't gotten around to. And his next one is Everybody Wants Some, which is uh, the spirited successor to... Dazed and Confused, sort of. Nice. It's a group of college baseball players navigate their way through the freedoms and responsibilities of unsupervised tra- uh, adulthood. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. So, at some point, at some point, we should do like a Linklater retrospective. Totally. Yeah. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. So, so that's Bernie. It's uh, just okay. I'd probably rate it probably a 6, probably 6.0. Okay. Out of 10, I would I would think. Okay. Um. Yeah, see it for see it for Jack Black's performance, and try not to get too not caught up, or try not to get too tripped up over uh, the overuse of the f- like kind of mockumentary or or faux documentary format. Gotcha. Okay. And then you might have a better experience than I did. Okay. Cool. Whew. 
Cool, cool. Yeah. So that is our Netflix picks, isn't it? That is. Holy crap. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll save that for the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on another Netflix pick episode, Danny. Totally. Yeah. I really like doing these. I, it's, it's a fun, yeah, it's a fun idea. It is. I don't know how our listeners feel about them. If you have any thoughts on them, let us know. Cause I, I like that. And I liked having the, in a inner interactivity, um, a little bit, but though I think there was a little bit of short notice cause, um, yeah, cause like Fekus tweeted me about VHS viral like Monday afternoon Oh geez. and like we normally record on Mondays, but this week we're recording on Wednesday. So it worked yeah. out. All right. So, um, having said all that, why don't we do some potpourri tiny? Let's get it smelling good. Sweet. All right. So for first time listeners, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about Anything that we've watched lately, looking forward to, anything that anything that we want, as long as it smells good, is what we what we call it. And uh, this week, I have several things I'm going to bring up. So I'm going to, you know what? I'm I'm going to throw out one. I'm going to throw out two, and then Tiny, do you want to give yours? And then cool, cool. Um. <laughs> uh. So. The first movie that I want to bring up for Potpourri is a movie that I watched on Netflix. I was kind of bored and basically in the spirit of this Netflix pick thing that we've been doing, uh, I just I just went to my PS3 remote, went to my Netflix queue, pressed the right like arrow mm-hmm. for like 15 seconds and then let go and then watch what, uh, whatever movie <laughs> it came on. Oh, wow. And it happened to be a movie that I had no idea was on my queue. I I had never heard of it. I had no idea. I had no idea what the hell this movie was. <laughs> um, it's Four Minute Mile. Um, Four Minute Mile. Yes. It's uh yeah. It's 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 a movie, and it's kind of funny because <laughs> yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> I I didn't do the proper research, but I feel like this was like kind of like uh, it's an indie, it's an independent movie. I don't think it had like a wide release or anything. It probably went through a um, uh, festival circuit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's directed by Charles Olivier Michaud. Um, I don't know what else he's done, but the cast is Richard Jenkins, uh, this guy Kelly Blatz, uh, Anna Lee Tipton, who I just talked about last week, uh-huh. uh, Kim Basinger, and uh, one of the. One of the dare I say favorite actors of the Obsessive Viewer podcast, Mr. Sir Cam Gigande. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man. Which me and Tiny have kind of a long running joke ab- about Cam Gigande. We do. Yeah, it's silly, but <laughs> uh, the OC. Anyway. <laughs> um. So anyway, the plot for Four Minute Mile is. A former track coach decides to train a student with natural athletic talent. Tragedy strikes, forcing the student to confront everything that has been holding him back. Um, so Kelly Blatz plays the plays the uh, student who uh, Richard Jenkins takes under his wing. Um, and what I noticed from the outset is that uh, this movie doesn't give a lot of info up front, um, which I'm not I I'm not opposed to. Um, you know, having the audience work to figure things out and figure out exposition through dialogue and stuff like that. I actually really welcome that, but this was just such a, uh, such a difficult movie to get a read on early on that I'm, I'm just going to chalk it up to poor editing. Hmm. Um, like Richard Jenkins backstory is like 
kind of unclear and just really kind of unexplored. Like it's kind of set up that he's got some demons in his past. He's got an injury that he's nursing that, um, from, from something that happened that, um, really, really affected him on a personal level, but it, it, you don't really get a, a, a through line through the character, an arc in that respect from that character. Um, it's just kind of, introduced and then that's it hmm. um that was kind of disappointing um <laughs> uh i have in my notes that <laughs> um uh billy walsh from entourage just trying his best <laughs> um the guy who was the character's name billy walsh the douchebag yeah character? oh god i hate that guy yeah what was the movie <laughs> called Medellin? Median, yeah. yeah. He uh the actor is Reese Coiro. There you go. Yeah. Who yeah. he's you know, he's okay. He's he's an okay guy. Is he though? Well, in this movie he was okay. Okay. Um he like he plays <laughs> he plays a um like a drug dealer guy who um is a threat to Cam Gigande, who, by the way, I didn't explain this clearly. Cam Gigande plays the brother of the student who's who's being mentored by uh, Richard Jenkins, and Cam Gigande is kind of a burnout, kind of a kind of a like morally uh, an amoral kind of person. He he takes some odd jobs from this drug dealer played by the guy that played Billy Walsh, uh, Reese Corbin, Coiro, Corbo, Reese Coiro. Reese Coiro, I think. Coiro. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, um, Cam Gigande, his subplot is kind of a, an important factor of the movie because it's uh, the stu- the kid that plays the plays the main character kind of gets roped into his dealings and stuff like that, and it's it's a danger to him. But the subplot is just really. I, I don't know. It's it's just it's like everything else. It's kind of just not really explored that fully. Um, it's oh. probably the most interesting part of the movie, but and and it's tense at times. But I think that it kind of hinges on uh, both Cam Gigande and the guy the guy playing the drug dealer. Um, I I don't think that they can really either of them can really pull off intimidating. Um, particularly <laughs> yeah. Cam Gigande, he's, he's kind of intimidating, but he's, he's not, he's kind of like, he's supposed to be like big brother intimidating because the whole point of the movie is that the, the brothers, uh, the younger brother has always looked up to his older brother and his older brother is a burnout washout kind of guy and not someone who you should be, you know, looking up to anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't cause they don't have a father figure in their life. So he's kind of forced to, but anyway, so it was just another, another thing that bugged me about it was that, um, <laughs> The mentor relationship between Richard Jenkins and uh, the ki- the kid Kelly Blatz, uh, it was like clearly like super heavily influenced by uh, Daniel Sun and Mr Miyagi, mm-hmm. uh, and they even referenced Karate Kid later in the movie. And I was just like, like I wrote in my notes, they reference Karate Kid, but that doesn't give them a pass to crib that dynamic. <laughs> yeah, and it and it really just comes across as. Uh, yeah, and so anyway, so to wrap up, also Annalie Tipton is in this movie, mm-hmm. and the, there's a romantic subplot between her and the and Kelly Blatz that's like just so superfluous and so like the, like the there's a moment where <laughs> there's a moment where the main character has an outburst at her, yeah, and uh, and it's like it's so contrived and <laughs> so like it's so like. Like let's usher into the, let's usher let's usher into the last act and let's let's well, let's have him just scream at her for no real reason. Um, Dang. Yeah, and but she's fine. I really like her as an actress, and she 
she has nothing to do in this movie, but she's you know she's charming anyway. You can believe that oh, yeah. uh, someone would would be into her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, also, last thing, uh, tension at the end. There's there's ten the tension mounts at the end, and uh, it's just super awkward. Yeah. Um, so I think someone. Someone I can't remember the specifics, specifics of who it is, but in my notes I wrote in quotes "slugger" because I think it's I think it's the drug dealer calls the kid "slugger," and it's supposed to be like super intimidating and scary, like yeah. "Hey, back off, slugger!" But it's like it comes off as like "Back off, slugger!" It's oh really awkward. Jesus. Um, and there's <laughs> I won't go into specifics for anyone who wants to see it, despite me completely bashing it, but. There, there's a there's the the tension mounts into a moment that is uh is really uh that that basically Cam Gigande's character does does something that's that's uh alarming. And so in my, I was really proud and for context I live alone. This was me alone in my apartment so I'm basically patting myself on the back but I said more like damn Gigande. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man! Yeah, so I rate it probably four out of ten. Wow, uh, that's four minute mile currently streaming on Netflix. If you want to see it, I, it might be already in your queue because apparently I have no memory of adding this yeah. at all. So it could be, you know, you <laughs> never know. It could be on your queue now. That's weird. Yeah, I love so, me some some Cam Gigande. Me too. He's if we you, like to rip on him, but yeah, yeah, he's. If you've never seen the movie, never back down. Yes, go see it now. That's the movie I was thinking. That of. movie's hilarious. Yes, God, that movie's so funny. Like he's always cast in these roles that he's like he's supposed to be like a threatening antagonist. Yeah, but he's such like a pretty boy kind of guy. You can't buy it. Yeah, you kind of just want to like pat him on the shoulder like hey buddy yeah tussle his hair yeah give him a polo shirt and some i don't know which he got his role in never back down because he's actually trained in mixed martial arts is he really so like he's actually a pretty formidable person i assume so we probably shouldn't be talking (laughs) so much smack about him yeah i don't think he needs to worry about us yeah i don't think so either he's probably he's i think he's doing fine yeah he has a career and we're podcasting he did he was in twilight so he's he's fine holy crap i forgot about that yeah wow yeah. yeah. Again, an intimate. He's supposed to be an intimidating right. character. Like oh I, I just gosh. wish. Like maybe if he wasn't typecast, maybe if he had other roles, he would be interesting. Yeah. Or, maybe. Yeah. I, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So Cam Gigande. I I have no desire to see Four Minute Mile. Yeah, I I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Yeah. I um, love Richard Jenkins too. Me too. And I mm. really like him a lot. Um, and he's okay in it. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. And Kim, Kim Basinger plays their mom. Yeah, and she's barely in it. It's yeah. like Yeah. <laughs> That's something that I was thinking about. At some point, uh oh, I think it was when I was watching uh I was I was seeing a movie at Heartland, but um I thought like, you know, if I was an actor, I would so like like my perfect idea of where I would want to be career wise as an actor, if I were to be an actor, would be I would want to be famous enough to where like 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 uh, uh low budget like independent movies would like love to have me on for like a two day shoot yeah. for like a for like a small cameo so I would get like like second or third billing in it and it would be like oh the the Matt Hurt movie that <laughs> premiered at at so and so film festival wow. but I wouldn't want to be like a star or like a struggling actor like that's that's like a good medium medium area that I would be okay okay I'd like to be. So keep that in mind. That's that's a very odd dream. It is. It's it's not even a dream because I have no aspirations for acting. <laughs> but that's. Wow. I just think that that like level of actor would be gotcha. most conducive to being a well-adjusted human 
and not like super sucked into the whole Hollywood mechanism and like yeah. super phony and stuff like that. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, should I throw it to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was going to talk. I'm going to talk about uh, The Walking Dead. Nice. Again. I, I feel like I, I mentioned it like a month ago. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you talked about the premiere. And then, I did talk yeah. about the premiere. But I think this is a good point to bring it back up again mm-hmm. because it's been five episodes um, or so. Uh, and I mentioned, I remember mentioning in that episode, I was like, uh, I was very surprised with the the strides they were taking as far as this particular story they're going to tell this year or this season with this this giant horde of zombies that they're trying right. to deal with. Um, I was like, you know, this is typically something that they would drag out over a whole season. And it looks like they're going to deal with it in like an episode or two. And it turns out <laughs> they've dragged it out for like five episodes. Right. But it, I think this like this this season is really showing how the show and everyone involved has grown as a creative, as creative people. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think, you know, if this was, if this were the second season, it would have been like the, when they were on the farm yeah. and it was just God awful. Excruciating. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad that that's not, they didn't fall into those habits again, mm-hmm. even though they've taken the story and drug it out over five or six episodes. Right. It's been incredibly compelling every single scene. Nice. I think this is the best season so far. Very nice. Um, I'm very pleased with what they're doing. Um, the characters are all expressing a lot of depth and development, um, which the characters I don't think have ever been bad. Mm-hmm. I think of all the characters have always developed relatively well, but it just feels very rich this season. I like what's happening with pretty much everyone. Um, it's just it's just incredibly compelling, and uh, they they had a successful like the Morgan episode was a very successful you know side story. Um, those side story episodes can be very hard to do mm. because you know they upset the flow of the story. Um, but I think it's important when you have good characters to develop them as, develop them as much as you can. Um, so you were a fan of it then? I was a big fan of it. Nice. I, I really like. I, I like it when shows do that successfully. Nice. Um, Lost comes to mind. They did that very well, oh, yeah. and they did that well all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it kind of felt. It felt like a lost flashback to me. Nice. I had the same emotions and the same reactions to the Very Morgan nice. episode that I did of some of the old, some of the golden stuff from from Lost. Um, so I enjoyed that episode very much. Part of it is bias because we were talking about character actors earlier. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is John Carroll Lynch. He is oh. so awesome. Um, is he? Has he popped? When did he pop up on the season? He's in the Morgan episode. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that episode yet. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. He's. Just, I love him so much. Um, my f- tangent. My favorite scene <laughs> of his is uh, the movie Zodiac. Oh yeah. I. He is just unbelievably good in that scene. Like Oscar good in that scene. I love him in that. Um, but go to anything he's ever done. He's terrific. Yeah. Um, so I was really pleased to see him in that episode. I thought he was great. I. I I'd maybe like to see him get like a guest actor nomination or something nice probably not gonna happen but again that's bias because i love him Mm -hmm. but um so i like that episode very much and i i I love what they've been doing with this this story dealing with this horde because Mm -hmm. you're getting different perspectives in each episode like they'll have an episode all about how rick deals with it and then they're uh this most recent episode um was about um uh daryl and then Abraham and Sasha mm-hmm. kind of have to 
deal with the other part of the horde. Um, it's just we're getting a lot of a lot of rich, a lot of rich development each episode, and I'm just really liking it a lot. Um, it's it's just it's just been I think it's the best season they've had so far. Very nice. Yeah, I can totally agree with you. I mean, I've only seen the first three episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, man, what strikes me most about those three episodes is that it feels like this this whole thing with the horde and everything like that like even from the beginning where you see like like they've been like you're you're shown that they're about to do a test run of the plan but then it all goes to goes to hell and they right. have to they have to improvise and everything like that feels like the beginning of a season finale it does and the enti- everything else feels like season finale and everything and i just love that they started it at that moment yeah because it's like it's the sixth season they can't right how can they keep it fresh and what's even more ballsy about that is like this is when they're like they they've barely been in in Alexandria so it's like yeah. they could have easily done another um another uh uh farm storyline where they're mm-hmm. like interacting with all the people introducing all the new characters there's all this silly so, philosophy going yeah, on yeah but they they just kind of just went for it and i yeah. appreciate that um which there is a lot of philosophy going on, but it's yeah. it's amidst action, right? And and there's stuff happening. You know, yeah. it's it's not just it's not just talking and exposition. Um, it's it's well done. And again, this is just my opinion. You know, I, there may be other people who feel differently, but I I'm very impressed that a show is peaking during its sixth season, yeah. or it's at its best so far in the sixth season. I'm impressed with that. Yeah. Again, just my opinion, but I, yeah. I think they're doing a great job. And they announced who they cast as. Uh as a big pivotal really? character, yeah, and nice. uh, I don't, I don't want to know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you. Is this I'm, someone noteworthy? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I won't tell you who it is. I won't even tell you anything about the character. I'm sure you already know, but, uh, but from reading the comics and and hearing that, I'm like, that, yeah, I that's that's totally that's totally a great casting decision. Nice. Um, is he gonna show up this season? Do you know? Yes. Nice. I won't say when, but I know when, but I won't yeah. say when. I know um, that. Uh, Kevin Durand was offered the role, right? He was, but he didn't. He, it's not. Yeah, him. I know he yeah. didn't take it, but which would have been interesting. But uh, actually, honestly, I think that this casting is better. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, just uh, from just visually, it, it's it seems like a better fit. Nice um, to to the appearance of the character, at least. But I'm a huge, I'm a big fan of Kevin Durand doing anything. Right, right. Because he's again an awesome actor. Oh, he's him. amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I wasn't too keen on this season of The Walking Dead, though, so far from the three episodes I saw was that something that was really interesting in the comics, at least when they got to Alexandria, is that they're interacting with people who don't know, like, like they're they're not as well trained in, in the zombie apocalypse as they right. are. Obviously, they're not seasoned professionals at zombie killing and all that. And that's a good dynamic to have. But in the show, I don't think it really translates that well because it's like. In the comics, it's like, oh, they're st- you're stressed because you know these other characters don't know what's going on or don't know how to handle themselves or anything. Mm-hmm. But in the show, it's like, it's like just shut up and shoot the damn thing or just kill the yeah. zombie. Like it's kind of frustrating. It's frustrating in a negative way, but right, that's a minor complaint. Um, mm-hmm. I need to catch up, but yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. So, do you mind if I go on to my next one? Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, no, I mean, I mind. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And <laughs> no, um, my next potpourri is uh, Room. 
Oh, nice. Yes. Oh, I want to see this so bad. Oh, my God. I should have let you know that I was going to go. Um, sorry. Thanks. Um, <laughs> no, I'm busy all the time. Yeah. I I, uh, I got a chance to check out Room at the Keystone Art Theater here in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Room, for those who don't know, is the adaptation of uh, Emma Donahue's novel of the same name, which is about uh, the IMDb trivia is a, or the IMDb plot summary is a little... I wouldn't say this is counts as spoilery, but basically, it's it's a mother and her five year old son are uh, being held captive in a shed. Okay. And so, uh, basically, the kid's entire life, like the the mother has been there for years, and the kid's entire world and entire life has been living in that shed, right? Uh, which he calls room. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the thing about the book is that I believe the book is told entirely from his perspective. Oh wow! So it's like. So it's like uh uh old old Nick their their captor I think that's his name Nick um the the captor it's like from his perspective it's like he can get anything for like uh what they call special treat sunday which is like the day of the week where the guy brings them supplies to live off of oh. but he's like he's magical and he can bring anything like that kind of like he's huh. he has a very skewed perspective of the world and right everything. um so the movie is just Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's so incredible. Like I can't, there were numerous moments where I, I teared up and, uh, it's like this, this could, this could be my movie of the year. Nice. Like seriously. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's so just devastating and like if nothing else, like Brie Larson plays the mother uh, she has best actress locked. Nice. Like, and it's so it's so incredible because there are moments where she's she's talking to her son. She's talking to the to uh, to Jack, the character uh, played by uh, 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 played by Jake and, uh, Wow Jacob Tremblay, uh, who just like best actor, best supporting actor. Really? Like like they they just powerhouse performances. Wow. Um, and like there are moments where she's. She's like struggling so hard to give him a normal life in these these horrific circumstances, mm-hmm. and it's so like like the the dynamic b- between the two characters is just so astounding and so emotionally like gut just gut wrenching. It's like it's so I, like there are moments where she is trying to um, trying to communicate something to him or trying to to spin something uh you can like like you can see how defeated and broken she is while she's trying to give jack as normal a life as she can so like and and you can see how like he like he doesn't he's he's 5 years old so he can't grasp like the the emotional like weight of what's going on because he's he's just a kid so like right. he he screams about not having candles on his on his birthday cake and she's like like you can see the devastation in her face and uh. like and you can see not only the devastation but also like like it's it's just it's so amazing how how much effort was put into her performance by by Brie Larson because you can see the devastation of that and then also on the other hand you can see just how just absolutely just defeated and destroyed she is as a as a person just from being like in that situation because there are like some very dark moments um that happen and uh and then also you just see how she's just how she's just trying to close it off and 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 just be a mother to him and try to be like try to make sure that he's 
that he's not aware of of what's going on or trying to preserve like his innocence yeah. and everything and it's just I mean, it's I could I'm I could rave so much about this movie, yeah. Um, and I would probably end up just getting just teary eyed just talking about it. But mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely magnificent. And uh, what I what I also loved about it was, uh, like, the the movie alternates between uh, the kid's perspective of the captor um, and and her perspective of of what's going on. Basically, the entire situation. It's it's. In a visual medium, it's really hard to do that, like yeah. to communicate that, because in a book, it's uh, and it's worth mentioning that uh, Emma Donahue also adapted the script or adapted the book to wrote the script. Oh, great! Uh, That's nice. Yeah, so so you have that also, um, which which is one of the reasons why I think like Gone Girl was so good was that Gillian Flynn adapted her book to to the screenplay, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that's the same way here. I haven't read the book, but I'm, I want to. But um, but yeah, so so the way that it alternates between the two perspectives of it is just, it's communicated so well and it's so just, just really powerful and really just heart wrenching. It's, I don't know. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that there's a couple, like the one thing in particular that didn't really, um, uh, work didn't really, not that it didn't really work for me. It's basically something is set up and I'm being as vague as possible, but, um, there's something that's set up in kind of a weird way that I, I it wasn't communicated that well to me. Like why? Um, it doesn't communicate its point that well. And it just left me thinking that it was going to be revisited later, but it just never was. So, um, other than that though, just incredible, incredible movie. Um, super moving. Um, just really just powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's room, uh, it's. It, uh, I think it has a wider release here in a week or two. Okay. Um. But right now, if it's in, if you're in Indianapolis, it's still playing at Keystone Arts. So okay. Definitely recommend checking that out. I it's am really amazing. glad to hear that. Yeah. Um. Brie Larson, I've I've been a fan of for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Um. Um. She's she's kind of famous. Her her more famous roles are maybe the movies that weren't as great. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Scott Pilgrim versus the world and um she was in Trainwreck most recently. That's right. Um yeah, and I there's nothing wrong with that, but I think her her small independent performances aren't as well recognized and I I thought right. she really shined in those, so yeah. I'm glad to hear that she was like Oscar worthy. Um, oh yeah. And it helps like like or I, I it's it's nice that she's doing so like this is going to be I I firmly believe this could be like a star making role for her. Like she could mm-hmm. She could totally like. I'm hoping. I'm so impressed by her performance, and like, I really hope that she gets she gets the Oscar for it. Basically, mm-hmm. I hope that. Um, but I'm really anxious to see what she does afterwards because I'm. Yeah. She's gonna get tons of acclaim, tons of tons of recognition for this. I'm I'm really hoping that it opens up some really interesting uh, choices for her for projects in the future because um, <laughs> uh, her episode of The Nerdist actually. Uh, from like a few years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was that was one of the only episodes of The Nerdist that I listened to twice within like a week, because <laughs> like she was amazing. It yeah. was like, it was so cool. Like she was, she seems like the coolest person on the planet, and mm-hmm. she seems like just super funny and very well, um, uh, just just very well spoken about about her passion and everything. And it's like, like uh, like I remember hearing that and thinking like she's gonna go places. Like yeah. she's gonna be just huge. And I'm really hoping that this is the first step toward that. Wow. 
Nice. Whew, I'm yeah. really glad to hear that. Yeah, she's she's great. Yeah. Um, that movie looks awesome. Oh, yeah. It looked great. I'd probably put it at 9.5 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. And and I say, like, like I'm, I'm so stingy with 10s out of 10. So, yeah. like, that's about as close to 10 as I can get. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one more. Did you want to switch to you for a second? Yeah, I actually, there was something I kind of wanted to bring up. You and I spoke about it briefly earlier, but um, uh, the show, The Bastard Executioner, yeah. was canceled. Um, right. And it was canceled in a very interesting fashion. Um, Kurt Sutter, who's the, the showrunner and creator of uh, that and more famously Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. um, he announced the cancellation of the show through uh, an ad in which what was the publication? I think it was the Hollywood Reporter. The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, think. he took out an ad and <laughs> put it in there, basically. Um, which, having learned a lot, or like having followed his career a lot, and and sort of having a feel for the kind of person he is, that's not a surprise at all. Right. Uh, he has a very. <sighs> The nicest way I can say it is he has a very abrasive personality. Right. Um, he's he's a very outspoken, opinionated, and kind of a shameless person. Um, mm. He'll just say whatever he's thinking, and he's eager to share his opinion. Mm. Um, and so it's not a surprise that he he did something like this in such a such a unique fashion. Um, but I think I think what's more noteworthy is his his entire attitude about the situation because mm-hmm. he basically made the decision to cancel the show. Um, he's cause Kurt Sutter has been a bit of a gold mine for, uh, FX. Right. Um, sons of anarchy was incredibly popular. Yeah. Um, and it, the it, shield yeah. was also very good, uh, which he show he ran that show for like six years. Which, he's a head head writer on the shield. No, he was he was one of the, he was a part of the writing staff. Oh, I thought he like ran the show or no. was, I thought he was like head writer or something. Uh no, showrunner was uh, Sean Ryan. Right, I know Sean yeah. Ryan, but I thought uh, I think he, yeah, I, I don't think he had any seniority oh. in the writing staff. I think he he's yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he was I know he was very involved with the shield, I'll put it that right, way. Right, right, right. Um and so he's been very he has a very good relationship with FX. He has like mm-hmm. a eight-figure contract with them for like 10 years or something like that. Um so he's very good friends with the head of FX. Uh, his name escapes me at the moment. John Langraff? John Langraff. John Langraff. Langraff. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, so they're like personal friends and they, mm-hmm. they have a good working relationship. And basically, John Langraff told him, So what do you want to do? <laughs> basically, when they had all the numbers and he was like, You know, most shows would try to eke out as much as they could and wait till May right. for the sweeps and stuff. But Sutter was like, you know what? Nobody's watching it. Screw it. And he was just like, let's just cancel it. Um, and, and I think I think the reason he did it was, just, I mean, obviously, like he even admitted there's a little bit of ego to it. You know, he's like, I, I want to have. He said, I want to have an audience. I want to make things that people watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he also said, he, you know, he didn't want to string along a whole team of actors and right. set designers and costume and makeup people and, you know, make them think that they're going to have a job come May, but right. then it, it ends up getting canceled. Um, I just, I, I'm, I, I'm very respectful of the way he chose to do things. Um, and he's, he's not holding anyone accountable except himself. You know, he, he's just like, you know, maybe just the story wasn't there and that's why people didn't watch it and their viewership fell off every week, uh, consistently. 
Um, I just really appreciated his attitude towards the whole thing, um, which is surprising because typically I don't appreciate his attitude that right. much. Um, I think that's what's so off-putting to me about him. That's why, yeah. like, like when you brought up when you when you brought up the pilot uh, a while ago on the on the podcast, you mentioned that he's my favorite showrunner. Like saying that it's he's Matt Hart's favorite showrunner. Yeah, uh, you said it sarcastically because I just don't I don't like the guy. I don't like Sons of Anarchy, and mm. I don't really like his his personality and everything. Yeah, uh, but I haven't said that. I do respect him for this, right? The way that he handled this and everything. Yeah, so I just thought that was noteworthy. Um, the fact that the guy is just, he, he, he kind of cut his losses, mm-hmm. um, or it seems like maybe he cut his losses, but I think it was a good decision to make. And right. like I said, I think he did it for the right reasons. And, um, it's, I was, I was pretty surprised at how, um, business centric he kind of thinks. Right. Um, it was, it's as opposed to artistically, um, which maybe that's not really a good thing for an artist. <laughs> Right, but it was it was just a, his attitude towards it was all just very surprising to me and just very unique and I think it's something you don't hear about very often. Typically, when a show gets canceled, it's like forced onto all the creative people. Right. And it's like, man, we wanted to do another season, but we just couldn't. The, it was the network. It was the it was the a holes at the network who took it away right. from us, and our numbers weren't that bad. But <laughs> he was like, no, the numbers were bad. People weren't watching it, so yeah. Uh, it was just a very, very interesting cancellation. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, yeah, you know, it was our decision to make the last season of Boardwalk Empire super, super short. And yeah. Everything. Exactly. Clearly not the case. But, right. Uh, right. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. And I, like I said, I can respect him for that. And uh, from what you, from your review of the of the pilot uh, on, on the podcast, it wasn't something that I was interested in anyway. So. Yeah, I didn't like it. Basically. I mean, yeah. yeah. It wasn't that great, if you ask me. So, right. who knows where it could have so, gone? But yeah, yeah. And who knows? Maybe I'm planning on seeing Southpaw um, at some point before the end of the year. So I'm I don't know how uh, he did with that, but I know he wrote that. So mm-hmm. um, kind of maybe uh, maybe I can get a respect for him. I, he is responsible for some of my favorite, or uh, at least in that first season, he was responsible for uh, some of the more like like disturbing moments in the shield in the first mm-hmm. season. So, um, yeah, an interesting piece of news. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so to, I, I'm about to say to round us out, but I think I have two other things I'm going to throw out here just as news pieces. But okay. first I want to talk about, uh, master of none. Have you been, uh, do you know anything about this? Nothing. Master of none. Oh wait, is that the season? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is the uh, latest? It, it's uh, it's a Netflix original series uh, by Aziz Ansari, starring Aziz Ansari. Um, the plot is uh, it's about the personal and professional life of Dev, a thirty year old actor in New York, played by Aziz Ansari. Um, a couple quick notes about it. Uh, Aziz cast his own parents in the show. Wow. Um, as his parents in the show. And it's, it's, you know, they're, they're not the best actors, but, um, it, it's effective. It's, it's really interesting. Like they, obviously they have good chemistry and everything. Um, the show was, I believe, the show that they, uh, Aziz Ansari and Harris Whittles were like about to, to move to I think LA to to produce and everything right before uh, Harris Whittles passed away tragically, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of it was nice to see 
Harris Whittle's getting like co-executive producer credits and story credits and stuff like that. That's good. Um, it's also worth mentioning that our friends at the Nerds you're looking for reviewed that reviewed the season on their show uh, last week. So check that out. Cool. Um, so anyway, um, uh, the show stars Aziz Ansari, Noel Wells, uh, uh, Eric Wareheim from uh, Tim and Eric. Um, okay. A few, several other people, but um, basically it's ten half-hour episodes. It kind of takes a uh, not sitcom, but it's a, it's like a it's like a it's a, it's an interesting drama about or drama comedy about uh, the, the main character's life. Uh, some episodes focus on his professional life and him struggling as an actor and uh, and uh, uh, struggling with with uh, there's one there's one episode in particular called uh, Indian uh, I think Indians on TV mm-hmm. where it's all about. Uh, how he's forced to or how he's asked to do these really stereotypical Indian Indian like uh, stereotypical roles and stuff and it's yeah. really interesting like that episode starts with like a montage of all of the like like just a deluge of um uh uh Indian stereotypes on television like like mm-hmm. like just just a montage of different shows in the real world of just uh uh, stereotypes and it's 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 a it's a good episode but my favorite episode um because okay okay i'm all over the place so episodes depict his uh, professional life and then also his personal relationships with like his friends and his family and then also his uh, romantic relationships and those are the ones that i gravitated to the most mm-hmm. in particular there's a couple episodes one is episode three which uh uh, like I, I joked to my to to some of my friends that I'm in a uh, Google Hangouts chat with uh, that like, um, <laughs> like if I if I were on like an online dating site or whatever and it said like self summary I'd be like I would just write watch episode three of Master of None you'll get the gist. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. It's all about basically it's called Hot Ticket and it's it's an incredible thirty minutes of television in my opinion. Basically Aziz's character has a ticket to a secret show. And he's struggling with finding a date to to take on it. Mm-hmm. So he asks out uh, a a very attractive uh, waitress, and uh, there's there's a moment where he where he asks for the number, saying like, "Hey, I have this ticket." And she's like, "Yeah, I'll let you know my schedule and all that." And he's like, "Yeah, can I get your number?" And there's a moment where at the end of it, he says a line that I'm like, "That's me." That's me, because uh, he says, "Well, I guess this is the end of this interaction." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. And uh, and it's just it's what the episode does from there is it does so it, it's it's a very uh, interesting deconstruction of um, modern dating, basically uh, a lot of it, and it makes me want to read his book uh, called Modern Romance, which is apparently all about how dating has changed. Um, in the modern era and everything. It's very mm-hmm. scientific and everything like that. Not like, not like a just standard stand up comedy uh, uh, book or anything. Right. But, um, so anyway, so that, so that episode stuck out. There was also an episode that terrified me to my core, um, <laughs> because it's later in the season. So I won't, I won't give away what it is, but it's called, um, I think it's just called mornings. And it's basically, um, a long depicts a long span of time where he and, um, his, his girlfriend, um, basically every, every scene is, takes place in the morning and over a long span of time. And it shows it's such, a such an incredibly written episode of just showing their relationship and the, the highs and lows and, and the struggles and the triumphs and, the, and all of that. And I was like, this is, 
this is magnificent. Yeah. Like, this is absolutely astounding. Nice. And I, I loved it. And, and uh, what I will say is that sometimes the episodes, um, it being that format where every episode kind of takes a different uh different piece of his life and, and focuses on it. That, that was a little bit, um, not jarring, but it was a little bit like, it was a little disjointed, maybe. disjointed, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was, it was kind of like, it was like, Oh, okay. Well, there's this really insightful, powerful episode about his trip to Nashville with a girl. Um, which is another really great episode. Like, like mm-hmm. the chemistry between him and, uh, his, his, uh, his, uh, romantic, uh, um, um, interest interests in the in the show. Just like the writing is in, is incredible. Like I like there's a, like the episode where they go where he and his uh, he and he and a love interest go to Nashville for a weekend. It's just called Nashville. Um, I remember thinking like I had a feeling that like this is like midway through the season, so drama is going to unfold and everything. But the writing between those two characters was so perfect. So beautiful mm-hmm. that I just wanted to stop in the middle of it and just pretend that okay, this is the end of the series. This is <laughs> they lived happily ever after. Everything is okay. Yeah. Uh, this is the moment where the series ends, and you know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't spoil whether or not um, anything happened to those characters or anything like that. But that's just like in the moment of that episode, I was like, I know that I know that going forward, whether it's this season, next season, whenever, there's going to be hardships in his in his life and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But that moment, that episode where it just shows those two characters um interacting with every with each other on a weekend and enjoying each other's company was just so beautiful that like I just wanted to end there. Yeah. I just I just didn't need any of the drama or anything that was coming. <laughs> uh yeah, it was just I I really really liked it. It was it, it it has some really interesting things to say about dating and about relationships of all kinds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I just really liked it. Uh, that's master of none. It's currently on Netflix. It's a Netflix exclusive. And, uh, yeah. How many episodes is the first season? 10, 10. Okay. It's half yeah. hour, half hour. It's really nice. quick to go through. Like I, yeah. I told, <laughs> I told our friend Molly, I was like, yeah, I finished Master of None. And she was like, everyone I know had watched it and watched it in a day. You watched it in like a week. I was like, it was like three days. I, I took like three days. I've been busy. I'm going to watch it. Nice. Based on what you, that sounds yes. really, I, I mean, I like Aziz Ansari. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he's not, he's not like, uh, he's, he's, he's not like, he's not like the Aziz Ansari, you know, from like Parks and Rec. Or he's not right. like the big personality Aziz Ansari. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of that throughout it, but it's not like, he's not like, uh, I'm trying to think of the ah oh man. I'm trying to think of the line from uh, 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 from Parks and Rec. But he, he's not like uh, cheeky cheeky French fries. I yeah, I don't know the actual line, but the episode where he's like spouting off nicknames for food um, <laughs> in it. But um, anyway, he's not like that big personality kind of guy, kind of person like uh, party guy. He's he's a very down to earth kind of low key kind of version of Aziz and sorry, and uh, and also. <laughs> I know nothing about him personally. I'm not friends with him on any level, but I know that he is a huge like foodie uh-huh. in general. So, yeah. like if you like, like, like when I hear podcasts uh, that talk about comics and talk about traveling in cities and stuff, like I hear like Chris Hardwick always saying like, if you're ever in any city and have Aziz Ansari's phone number, <laughs> text him say like, hey, what's a good place to eat in Indianapolis, and he'll text you back with a list of places to go. Yeah. And what I what I thought was funny was that there's a point in the season where one of his romantic interests is a like the like the setup of the episode. I don't remember which episode it is. Exa- I do remember, but I'm not going to give it away. Um, he meets a woman 
and she's like the perfect woman for him and like i'm like i was thinking like okay she is a super cool woman who is a food critic <laughs> and so i'm like <laughs> is this the idealized version of of aziz ansari's dream woman here <laughs> because it seems like that's that it seems a little uh honest to to uh, something something that like uh he would inject into the show yeah. uh just being a food fan basically right uh, so yeah, so that's Master of None. Uh, fantastic first season. I really, really liked it, and uh, it nice. made me feel feelings. Very nice. Yeah. Um, that wraps us up for Potpourri. I have a couple things I was going to bring up, but I don't know. I'll throw it out here. Um, hashtag all my movies. Did you hear about this? No. The Shia LaBeouf thing? Oh, uh, I heard about it, but I have not looked into it at <laughs> yeah. all. I looked into it a little bit. I just, I love all the gifts that come from it. Yeah. Um, basically... Shia LaBeouf, for some reason, uh, watched every movie that he was in, (laughs) in reverse chronological order, in a theater in New York, and, like, it was free admittance to people. Wow. So, and and, uh, there was, like, a camera trained on him throughout the entire thing. So, there's... (laughs) footage of him just watching himself and like there's gifts that have come through it that's just him like falling asleep or him reacting to things <laughs> and it's so goofy they do it all so in a row like in one sitting i i don't know i th- okay. think so i think that it was completely consecutive or i might have been i don't know that i don't know if there was any breaks or anything but yeah it was just you know wow it's such he's such a weird guy he's but, really weird yeah but uh but all the gifts are really funny and that's great that's something that i would want to do <laughs> um, if I was in that, if I had that like level of whatever, yeah. Um, and then the final thing I was going to bring up um, is I'm looking at up now. Oh yeah, this is not really worth mentioning that much because I haven't even watched this show in a long time. But um, E E Entertainment announced that they are ending the soup. Oh really? Yeah, after 22 years. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it's cool because because Joel McHale, who's still the host of it. He tweeted out that he's uh, he's thankful for it, all that stuff, um, and he said that he's he's looking forward to focusing on his acting. Oh, okay. Uh, which honestly, man, I'm so surprised that he he stuck it out this long. Yeah, really. Um, I yeah, I honestly, I wonder if there's a contract thing going on or whatever, but I honestly feel like he, like I'm surprised he didn't do this around like the time the informant came out. Yeah. Um, because man, I think that he's 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 phenom- he's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with more time me too yeah nice yeah so that's that and uh before we go tiny yeah we're gonna do something fun we are um okay so in terms of oh he's holding the bag um (laughs) so basically i like i said i've really enjoyed doing these netflix picks episodes so having no having so much downtime at work um i had the idea that as like an as an experiment, and we'll see we'll see how it goes this week and maybe next week and stuff like that. But uh, I fully intend to make this a project for 2016. Uh, that every episode we will pick tiny will pick out of a bag of assorted little pieces of paper that have a a streaming service name on it and a number. Um, sometimes two streaming services names, so we can pick. But um, in a number range, so like okay. so like Amazon. One through thirty, right? Because okay, to preface this, I have Amazon, Amazon Prime, Instant Streaming, uh, HBO Go, Netflix, and Hulu. So some of these numbers, some of these, some of these sheets of paper have Netflix one through eighty, 
Netflix, 200 to 230, stuff like, like ranges like that. Um, so basically, Tiny's going to pick a, pick a sheet of paper out of it. He's going to pick a number that's within the range, and then I'm going to look up what it is, and that'll be my potpourri for the next week's episode. Okay. So uh, what have we got here? All Tiny's right. opening the bag. Let me shuffle these around just a smidge. Yes. This is so sad. It's so an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Okay, I picked one. I picked uh-oh. one. Uh oh, I picked Netflix. Okay, four hundred one to four hundred nine. You have four hundred and nine things. Uh, I did as of two days ago. Holy before balls. I added like ten more things. Jeez, uh, you know I don't know if I have four hundred and nine, but I might. Yeah, it's so easy. And you know, I gave you so much crap or or i like to give you a hard time about uh so many documentaries on, on yeah. your cues and stuff but honestly today like i'm not i'm not bsing you right now today on like during the day i went through hulu i went through all their documentaries i added like 60 nice like so, like legitimately 60 documentaries to my net for my hulu queue my, wow my hue queue my my Q-Lu. My Q-Lu. Q-Lu. My Q-Lu. I like my it. My Q-Lu, yes. I like it. All right, so 401 to 409, what uh, do we got? I'm going to go with 408. 408? Oh, interesting. Yeah? Yes, it is 1997's Amistad. Oh, that's a feel-good movie. It is, yeah. A <laughs> uh, movie I've never seen, so I'm really looking forward to this. I wow. love Spielberg, so yeah. Oh, man, this could be interesting because I... I uh, also, really want to see Bridge of Spies, and that's maybe that'll be a double feature or double, double up potpourri next week. Yeah, is Bridge of Spies and Amistad. I have an interesting anecdote about Amistad, really? borderline funny. Okay. So I've never seen the movie, but when I was in college, um, when I was I was at College of Ball State, I was in a history class. I was like a I had a I was going to be a history major, mm-hmm. and um, uh, he, we were I was in American history class and. It was the last class that I had before going home for Thanksgiving break. Okay. And so I was like super excited. I was so ready to go home and I was like, my parents were coming to pick me up right after class. Mm-hmm. And we, he, that for some, I guess just by chance that ended up being the, um, the class that he talked about like slavery in the United States. Oh. And he showed <laughs> clips from Amistad. Okay. Of, of slaves being shipped to the United States on the on the ships and stuff, mm-hmm. and it, it it is very disturbing footage and very <laughs> graphic and okay. really hard to watch stuff. I'm really curious when this gets funny, and it just like <laughs> ruined my attitude because I was like, man, I was in such a good mood, and oh, that's awesome. I was really excited for turkey tomorrow, <laughs> and now I had to watch this. Wow, I feel so guilty right now. Wow. It was just like, it was, I'm not doing it justice, but it was just like, it was a complete 180 of my attitude. Jeez. Um, so I'm, I'm really anxious to see. I've never seen it either all the nice. way through. Um, I've just seen those clips, but they were very graphic and very well mm-hmm. done. Um, nice. For those not in the know, it's the 1997 Steven Spielberg movie uh, about the 1839 revolt aboard slave, uh, Spanish slave ship La Amistad and the uprising's tragic aftermath, starring Morgan Freeman, Nigel Hawthorne, and Anthony Hopkins. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, you know, 7.2 rating on IMDb, 75% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 79% of whatever this icon is. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. The, 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 it's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, from, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, and let us know what you think of this, uh, this thing and all that. Uh, sometimes Tiny will participate, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, yeah. I will participate when I can. Yes. And this is just a way for me to clear out the, th- all the stuff that I have sitting on my queue. So nice. Amistad, that's going to be good. So, cool. yeah. So as we close out, what, uh, what are we talking about next week? Do you, uh, did we decide? I think we're talking about, uh, food documentaries. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which it's going to be fun. I'm a sucker for a documentary. Right. So, yeah, I'm a sucker for food. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot. Like I made a list of some, uh, some ones that I'm going to check out. Like, nice. there's, like there's like a 30 minute one on, I think Hulu or Amazon called, uh, Sriracha. Just nice. Sriracha, the hot sauce. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Yepers. So, all right. So join us next week for food documentaries and Amistad <laughs> and maybe Bridge of Spies and maybe whatever Tiny brings up for Poopery. Sure. Yeah. Oh, Creed. We'll probably also talk about Creed. Totally. Very yeah. Nice. All right. So that about does it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Uh, which I, uh, again, I think I, you're confusing him with uh, Steven Soderbergh, maybe? Oh, am I confusing him with Soderbergh? Yeah, he didn't do uh, Contagion either. You might be... Hang on. I am thinking of Steven Soderbergh. Ah. Son of a bee. Well, I'm going to keep all this in. So screw Richard Linklater. He <laughs> sucks. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I was, I was absolutely confusing him with Soderbergh. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh, yeah. I need sleep. Do you want me to keep this in or no. cut it out? No, no, cut it out. Cut it out. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.